Hey guys, what's up? It's Thursday night, 8 o'clock. You know what that means. Chappie's Fantasy Chat. It's good to be here tonight, guys. I got to be, I just got to give you a little glimpse into the life of Chappie. Um, <laughs> it's 10 till, and, um, you know, we have three dogs. So sitting here, and my, my wife, you know, texts me. She's like, Did you take the dogs out? I usually try and time it because I got another show at 10 o'clock to take them out between shows. So that way I don't have to worry about it. But I guess, uh, you know, <laughs> when duty calls quite literally. So happy to be here. I'll tell you, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. There's breaking news. And, you know, um, I, I, it's funny. I was listening to MLB Network on the way uh, home tonight, and they're talking about, um, you know, Trevor Bauer being close to signing. So I'll kind of start it off where um, they uh, his agent tweeted that down to two, um, you know, kind of, Ominous, right? But uh, so anyway, he saw Trevor Bauer signs with the Mets. Um, as of 10 minutes ago, the details weren't ironed out yet, but that is ob obviously that is a huge, um, a huge sign for the Mets. It makes that 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 um, that rotation scary good, and um, you know, it's quite an impactful move, right? Um, but we'll we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, there, you know, it, it's funny because we're at that time of year where these things are starting to um, unfold rather quickly. So, you know, the last couple – tonight we're going to talk about catchers, okay? Um, we're going to start getting down into fine detailing, like working out draft strategy, trying to understand where – still got plenty of time. I, April 1st is the – you know, we have – Two, almost two months, really, to prepare for this. Um, but it's never too early to start, you know, evaluating these positions and where these guys um, lie in the pecking order because, you know, getting eyes on them, seeing them during the, the spring training, um, seeing, you know, who's hitting the ball well, who's seeing the ball well, those sorts of things, it's a big deal. Um, but before we do that, it's always nice to get us a, a thought in our head about who we want to we want to look at, who we want to scout, if you will, right? So um, we'll talk about some transitions. But first, I want to say, Chaps Fantasy Chat, Thursday nights at 8. Don't forget, we have a second show that I've added here in the last month. It's called The Other Angle with Chappie and RC. It's more of a variety-type show. We are definitely going to be talking some Super Bowl tonight. We're definitely going to be talking some college hoops. And um, we might even squeeze a little bit of baseball, baseball in there. Uh, it, it's it's a good time. RC does a great job. I really enjoy working with him. And, um, you know, I hope you guys will find the time to come back and check out uh, what we have to say at 10 o'clock. Definitely, um, you know, there's a lot going on in sports right now. You know, I don't want to get into college basketball. We'll talk about it at 10. So let's talk about, again, it's that time of year where spring training is was supposed to be two weeks away, less than two weeks away. It seems as though it might be moved back a little bit until then, um, which is not a bad thing. But there, there's been some under – of course, the power key takes precedence, or the power signing takes precedence. Um, there, there's definitely um, that. That's kind of the the domino, right? That's going to set off a lot of chain reaction because that was the biggest money free agent um, out there. And now, you know, these teams that maybe thought they might have had an outside chance of getting Trevor Bauer 
All of a sudden, maybe the Dodgers are more apt to bring back Justin Turner. Maybe, um, you know, some of the uh, a, uh, a Braves are more apt to go and sign a James Paxton or a Jake Odorizzi. Um, so some of these things, the pecking order is kind of getting solidified here. But again, there's been a couple, at least from a fantasy perspective, um, there's been a couple interesting signings this week. And I think, you know, that's kind of this exercise is just to make sure that these guys don't get past us. Um, first off, I want to start out. We'll start at the beginning of the week and we'll work up this week. Um, Wilson Ramos, $2 million contract signed with the Tigers. Certainly like that signing for him. Uh, he did not make my catching first tier, but he was the first guy out um, on this list. And, you know, it. I'll tell you, there's certainly – um, a lot of potential for him to do well at Detroit, especially um, makes a lot of sense with him and that young pitching staff kind of developing those guys. Um, he, he certainly showed that he is a, a capable offensive and defensive catcher um, when he can stay healthy. So Ramos is a sneaky good sign. You know, you've seen you've kind of seen me talk about these sneaky good signs throughout the course of the offseason. This is one of them. Two million dollars is a steal. To an organization like the Tigers, you know he's going to get a ton of opportunity to play. That's a great sign. And, you know, in all, in all truth and honesty, the biggest part of that sign might be the fact that come All-Star break, um, when the Dodgers aren't – or, excuse me, when the Tigers aren't contending, he can they can then um, you know, flip him for, um, you know, a couple prospects, which they're building. I've said all along that, you know, that's what the Pirates need to be doing. That's what the Cubs need to be doing. If, if you're going to, if you're not going to compete, go out and get some of these guys um, that might be um, wild cards. Right. So, so there'll be some of that today. So, so Ramos is the first one. Eddie Rosario, I think that's a smart sign by the Indians. Um, Again, it's another one of those situations where, he gets to go and play pretty much every day. They um, they they have a need for playing time in, in the outfield, um, and they're not going to be very good. So best-case scenario, Eddie Rosario goes to Cleveland and has a productive year, and they're able to flip him for some uh, prospects. I think that's a sneaky good sign for the Indians. Didi Gorse is a big sign. Big sign for the Phillies. Two years, $28 million. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned last week, Gregorius is a good fit in a lot of different places. But for fantasy purposes, I can't think of a better place than Philadelphia for D.D. Gregorius. You know, he had a pretty good year last year. And um, I'll talk about him a little bit more uh, in a little bit. Um, but that was another one of those chips that needed to fall. Uh, just because, you know, everybody thought he might re-sign with the Phillies, but if he wanted to go, you know, um, just, again, the pecking order, right? So, Carlos Rodon, yeah, the first overall pick a couple years back, um, you know, had, I believe it was Tommy John surgery, re-signed with the White Sox. NC State product, um, you know, his stuff, left-handed pitcher, I believe he's left-handed. Sorry, that's something. But um, his stuff has always been, you know, pretty good. He's struggled a little bit with location sometimes. But really, coming back from health is a big thing. Um, you know, you think signing with the White Sox, that is one of those scenarios where he is a um, – I'll use a basketball term, a first-off-the-bench type guy, right? A sixth starter, a spot starter, if you will, in that rotation. But, man, that's that's a good option to have. <clears throat> especially for a team like the White Sox who um, really are trying to trying to go for it this year, right? So that that 
chip fell. Um, the Cubs actually made another. I'm. You see my hat. I, I'm. Everybody that knows me knows I'm a huge Cubs fan, but I'm, I'm kind of pissed off at them. Um, but so uh, trying out different hats. But anyway, so Trevor Williams to the Cubs. That's a sneaky good pick. Those of you that know me know I'm from the, the Pittsburgh area. And, um, you know, I, Trevor Williams has always been a, a, a really underrated chip in that in that rotation for the Pirates. He's never had outstanding numbers. But 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 fact is that that coaching staff has ruined a lot of pitchers a hell of a lot better than Trevor Williams. So, you know, if they can kind of get him going in the right direction, showed last year with guys like Chatwood and um, – oh, shoot, the other – I'm spacing on his name. The the other pitcher that they developed last year were able to kind of pull up out of nothing and um and, and develop. I I feel like Trevor Williams is at a good spot going to to Chicago, and um you know is still relatively young. He's he's one of those guys that worked with Trevor Bauer last year during the uh, shutdown. So um, I feel like there's some potential there, right? Um, Hanser Alberto, the, the you know the Royals signed a minor league deal for Hanser Alberto. I feel like that's a sneaky good move, guys. Um, you know, not much is expected of him, but the guy's been a pretty good player um, for Baltimore for the past two, two three, four years. That that's that's one of those situations where um, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Hanser Alberto. And of course, <laughs> this kind of seems moot at this point. Again, it's a lot like um, Rodone. Um, you're building your depth. Jordan Yamamoto to the Mets. This was earlier in the week, obviously, but you know. Um, it, it's still, I don't know, maybe bullpen help at this point with, with the power signing. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it, his numbers didn't look great, but we all remember when he came up two years ago, he had, you know, a couple pretty good starts and had, had um, a lot of potential, was called up over guys like Zach Gallen and um, some of the other guys they've had there that have been really good. So, you know, that's, um, that's an interesting sign by the Mets, and maybe they use him in the bullpen now. Of course, the big news of the week before today, which was uh, Nolan Arenado going from the Rockies to the Cardinals. I, I, you know, for one, is again, as a Cubs fan, I'm kind of pissed off about this because I feel like they didn't give up nearly enough to get a bat like um, like Arenado did or, or like Arenado is. Um, you, you're talking about one of the top three defensive third basemen in the game of this generation. And – uh, you know, a, a bat who, um, albeit has had a couple, well, a, a down year ish. Um, he, he's he's one of those guys, though, that I, I feel like will thrive in playing for a team that he knows is willing to go out and put money on the table to compete. Um, I really like the Arenado trade for the Cardinals. Again, as a Cubs fan. Um, you, you hate it, right? And, and then you know the the kicker of all that. You know, not only do they just give up, you know, the the guys they get back are are, are not great. Austin Gomber is the only major league caliber player. That's you know nothing special. Mateo Gill, uh, Montero, L Losi, and Summers. Um, if memory serves me, I think Montero was. Again, the the biggest prospect there. I might be wrong on that, but not not 
none of their major prospects. So if you're if you're a Cardinal fan, you're jumping up and down for with joy um, because you definitely didn't have to come out of your prospect pool, and you got Colorado to agree to pay fifty million dollars of this. That's 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 a win for the Cardinals. Um, and that leads me to my next question. Really, you know, what happens with Trevor Story? Trevor Story is a big, big news. Um, it, who signs him? Who trades for him? You'd have to think. Um, it's The Rockies are a lot like the Pirates were a couple years ago, where it's almost like they don't know what the hell they're doing um, when they're trading. And, you know, if, I, if I'm any major league team, I'm trying to go out and get Trevor Story right now. I'm trying to throw every bust prospect that I have at him. Anybody, you know, if I'm Washington, I'm throwing uh, Carter Keyboom at him. Uh, you know, any of these guys that, you know, you get up there and you see him and you're like, eh, not quite sure about that. I'm trying to get Trevor Story at this point because you know they're, they're the mark, right? They're, they're, the, they're the team in the room that you know you can take advantage of. Now the Pirates have moved on from that. I think Colorado's the new Pirates right now in concerns of, you know, um not really being able to adequately adequately um evaluate talent. That's clear by this trade in this guy's opinion. We'll see. They might all turn out to be all-stars. I just don't see it happen. Two more moves and we'll start talking about catchers guys. But I, I think it's important to do this exercise, right? It's important to do this exercise because a lot of times, you know, the Super Bowls this week, you got a bunch of great college basketball, um, all kinds of other things on the mind. You miss these small signings, and it's important to know um, Sean Doolittle signs with the Reds. It's two years removed from an all star performance. Um, guys, here's a little secret. His ADP at this point is 736. 736. You're talking about a closer on a major league team that will – mark my words, that will definitely go up a lot. Sean Doolittle, that's a big sign. You know, every, yes, he, he had a 587 ERA in 2020. That's not good. But people forget. Before that, he had 29 saves in the two years before the – sorry. In 2019, he had 29 saves. He had 54 saves over the previous two seasons and 75 over the previous three. He has a career 304 ERA and 111 career saves. Doolittle, to me, seems to be – in a really good position on a team that, let's face it, still is going to have some pretty good talent. Sure, sure, they're they're going to sell some of that off. If someone gives a good offer on Sonny Gray, they're going to take it. If someone gives a good offer on Eloy Suarez, they're going to take it. But in the meantime, they still have those pieces. They still have Nick Senzel. They still have Joey Votto. They still have a lot of these guys um, that are going to be pretty formidable. Uh, Moustakas, you know, and while that's happening, you have to think they're going to win some games just by default. So, so Doolittle might be set up as one of those sleeper closers that kind of come out of nowhere. 
I think that's a really good sneaky say, uh, signing by the Reds. The last guy I want to talk about before we get into our catchers. I want to talk about Chris Archer. Chris Archer is one of those guys. Signs back with Tampa Bay. To me, this is an ingenious move by the Rays. And I, it's getting to be where you would expect no less, right? They go out and they sell. I always want to say Ian sell Blake Snell to San Diego. Get all these prospects back. Luis Patino being the headliner. So all of a sudden they're missing this senior leadership, if you will, right? This um, experienced veteran arm that can kind of be the the stabilizer. Chris Archer's out there basically for peanuts. The Rays know him. Obviously, he pitched there for years. They go out. And they sign him. So this guy had a virtual workout where he was just piping heat. I mean, his arm speed is back. He's completely healed. He's had some crappy luck over the last three years. He's regained his velocity. This could be a bedrock for the race. And, you know, people don't realize – Yes, he had some bad years at Pittsburgh. He had a couple bad years in Tampa before he was traded to Pittsburgh. He's still sporting a career 3-8-9 ERA over eight major league seasons. He's pitched in 145-plus innings in five of the six seasons he's pitched. And let's be honest. He probably picked up a couple bad habits in Pittsburgh. Especially the first year where he had Ray Searage. D-Wayne Abilo, what's up? Thanks for coming by, guys. Appreciate y'all. If you guys haven't listened to D-Wayne Abilo's show, it's pretty awesome. They're 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 football guys. I, I you know, I I don't know. They might be a whole lot more, but you know, I, I've really enjoyed um, come back at 10, guys. I got some information on your show from Tuesday that uh, especially the Steeler information um, that I wanna that I want to talk to you guys about. So but back to Chris Archer. I, you know, I feel like <laughs> there's a couple things going on here. I don't know that there's ever been a time in history when a blockbuster trade like that was made. So Chris Archer went to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh sent over Tyler Glass now, Austin Meadows, and Shane Bass. I don't think there's ever been a time when a blockbuster trade has been made like that and all of the players from that blockbuster trade end up playing on the same team. Now, I can think back to um, Aroldis Chapman for Glyber Torres. You might call that that. I don't necessarily. That's more like a Uno for Uno. You're going to have, by the All-Star break, you're going to have all of these players playing on the same team. Because Shane Baz is getting ready to take over. And really, you know, the 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 losing the minor league season last year really hurt guys like Shane Baz. But 
fact of the matter is, Tampa Bay does a great job of developing their pitching talent, particularly. I really feel like Baz is going to be on a fast track early on in this season if he performs. He has to come out hot. But Baz is one of those guys, again, that, you know, um, he might be used in a starter role. Maybe he's in an influencer role. He's going to find his way into that bullpen at some point this year. So you're talking about having Bass, Glass now, Meadows, and now you got Archer back. I like Archer for that staff. I like it a lot. The, the other guy I want to talk about before I get into these catchers, and I think it's important, and again, it's overlooked largely, Colton Wong. To the Brewers. Colton Wong's one of those guys. He's kind of an afterthought. But what Colton Wong does, he gets on base. He gets on base, and he's capable of stealing bases when once he gets on base. I, I'll tell you guys, I'm absolutely drooling over the fact that Colton Wong is going to Milwaukee. I know that kind of sounds weird. One, you have this familiarity. He's played in St. Louis his entire career. He knows the pitchers. He knows the parks. He knows the routines. You don't have to worry about much of an adjustment as far as as far as far changing teams go. That's about as easy of a, of a transition as you can get. Um, number two, the ballpark. You have to think that playing at Miller Park is going to help him hit more home runs. Which, of course, you know, is always what you want. The stolen bases are always going to be there. And, and then the offense. You're looking at an offense where they're going to score a boatload of runs. And whether he hits one, two, or six, seven, it's not going to matter. I mean, I guess it will matter a little bit, you know, uh, but probably is something you want to keep a little bit of an eye on because, you know, if you're looking for runs and you are expecting him to hit one, two, you're going to be disappointed a little bit. Flip that around, same thing. Um, but really, he's going to be an influencer in that lineup. And I, I think it's a really good opportunity for him to, you know, kind of establish himself as more than just a one-trick pony. And I say that when I'm talking about his stolen bases, his on-base percentage. You're talking about a guy here who you can get at ADP 324 right now. If you're in a shallow league, Colton Wong is free. And, you know, stolen bases are really hard to come by. And that's something that he has offered pretty consistently throughout his career. And then you throw in the fact that, <clears throat> you know, maybe his 11 homers from 2019 turns into 20 in probably the second most hitter-friendly park in the majors at Miller Park. I'm going to throw another layer at you, though. Colton Wong kills the ball at Miller Park. Kills the ball at Miller Park. He has a 308 career batting average at Miller Park. 28 games. Again, they're division rivals. They play each other a lot. 
He's got 23 homers and a two, excuse me, a 373 on base percentage at, at Miller. I'll give you some perspective. He's got 23 homers at Miller Park in his career. He's only hit 28 at Bush. 57 games at Miller Park, 432 at Bush Stadium. He likes playing there. I, you know, sometimes, sometimes those things are deceptive, right? Sometimes it has to do with maybe, you know, if you hit one at PNC, maybe it's just the Pirates pitching scrappy, right? Um, I don't think it's that. I, I like his fit in Milwaukee. Man, it's hard. Before, again, before we get these guys, it's hard to get away from Trevor Bauer tonight, right? Um, I, rumors, I, again, as of before the show and I get notifications on my phone. So I would have seen it details haven't been worked out, uh, but there was talk of him getting $36 million a year, which is what Garrett Cole got last off season. Um, albeit on a shorter um, contract. It, it's, it's interesting to me because when you start talking about that big of a $36 million, even if it's over two or three years, I'll give you some perspective. Miami Marlins' entire payroll is $55 million. Cleveland's entire payroll is $49 million. Garrett Cole made $36 last year. That's what Bauer wanted. I'm sure that's what he got. The Pirates' entire payroll, $40 million. You got one player. Making basically as much money as the entire Pirates payroll. How do you compete with that? You don't. You don't, right? So it's the haves and the have-nots of baseball. Now, there's even layers within the haves and the have-nots. Because clearly, Tampa Bay's doing a better job of nickel and diamond than Pittsburgh is. Tampa Bay can nickel and dime all they want. They keep developing players and making good trades. They're going to compete. I feel like Pittsburgh's turned a corner. I know I talk about that quite a bit, but we got to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of good talent. This is 20, 21 years old in Pittsburgh. We'll see in a couple years. Enough. Let's talk about it. Let Draft season. This is awesome. This is the fun. This is my favorite thing to do. This is such an overload this time of year because I love college basketball. March Madness is right around the corner. You got all these great conference tournaments. You know, hopefully COVID doesn't wreak havoc on those. But this next month, when you're talking about preparation for drafts, putting your list together, making a a, a priority list. Of position players. That's my favorite thing to do. This is a weird year. You had a, a, a shrunk season last year. A truncated season last year. 60 games. Alec Mills. 
That's how Chappie's mind works. Alec Mills is the other pitcher the Cubs developed last year. <laughs> I knew it'd come to me. I just had to put him to the side. Catchers. <laughs> this, listen, I like doing this holistically. I like talking about, you know, um, usually the way I do it is tier one, so starter backup. So the top 12, the second 12, right? I like going that direction. I think it kind of, and then you can kind of put tiers within that 12. I think that's a really good holistic way to look at it. Um, catching is a different animal just because th there's different layers there, right? Um, with catching, you kind of have to think of it as a moving target. There is not a there is not a position in fantasy sports that takes a bigger beating than the catching position does. It's really hard for catchers to have any longevity whatsoever, just due to the fact that they take such a beating behind the plate. It's hard for them. The first thing that's going to fall off when their knees go, their ability to you know move their hips. It, it just it it goes south quick with catchers. So normally. You know, as we go through this, talk about a bell curve with your with your age on players and, you know, how you want to target these guys. I usually say 23 to 31-ish is a good bell curve for a normal position player. For the catcher, I try and tone it down to 23 to 28 because, and even 23, I don't trust a young catcher. You have to prove it to me before I have confidence in drafting you at a position where, one, there's not a whole lot of talent. Two, the max talent at that position doesn't give you a whole lot of separation like it does at maybe say, some of the other positions, right? If you go out and you get um, Fernando Tatis, you're going to be ahead of the game because you have a true five-star player. You don't really have that. So the best-case scenario with catchers is J JT Real Muto. He's basically a fourth-round pick. The ceiling with JT Real Muto, 25 homers? Are you spending a, a third or fourth-round pick? On maybe 25 home runs? I'm not. I, I just am not. So you have to evaluate catching a little bit differently than all the other positions just because of – plus, you throw into that, Real Muto's 29 years old, guys. That's getting there for – that's getting up there. He's caught a lot of innings. He's been consistent. There, there's no doubt about that. Career batting average, 273. He's got 95 career homers in seven years. That's not great. That, think about it. Do the math. Seven years, 95 homers, 13, 14 homers a year. That's not fourth-round pick. No, I'm not doing that. He's stolen a few bases. He's got 44 career stolen bases. He had four last year. So I get – a little bit of the appeal. He's playing in a great offense, right? I, I'm just not willing to go to a mid-third, fourth-round pick on a guy that's going to give me a slash line 
Average over a seven-year career, average over 162 games. 278, 21 homers, 84 runs, 79 RBIs. I'm not spending a third-round pick on that. That's too high. Do yourself a favor. Go draft a pitcher instead. My second case, listen, I'm not, this isn't intended to go real deep, right? We're really early in this draft game, but what it is intended to do is start to set a precedence and pecking order with these guys. Because it's important. It's important to know that you like Will Smith over Will Contreras or over, it's, it's, you know, because then you can go into the, into, into the into the spring training and kind of look okay am i right here right is is does my belief match what i'm seeing when i turn on whatever your source for getting highlights is will smith's my number two again adp 108 he's 25 years old guys now I'll tell you, those of you guys that, have, that that know me know that I love prospects. I love young players. But catching's a little different. Catching's a little different. I want to see you do it a couple times before I start to trust you. And, and to me, you know, you want to talk about the wild card of this, especially this first tier. It's Will Smith. 25 years old. His ADP is 106. So that's what, seventh or eighth round pick? Outstanding numbers. 2020, he had 289 with eight homers, 23 runs, 25 RBIs. Um, tw- so I, this, is how I, this is how I'm going to do it. 2019 and 2020 together, right? I, um, just kind of combine those stats. 253, 15 homers, 30 runs. 43 RBIs, two stolen bases. So that breaks down to an average per 162 games of 268, 23 homers, 53 runs, 67 RBIs, and two stolen bases. Again, just like with Real Muto, the the difference between, for me, between Real Muto and Smith, with Smith, you're grabbing potential. With Real Muto, you know what you're getting. Smith could well go out and hit 40 homers. He has it in his back. He has the potential to hit in the middle of that lineup. One of the best lineups, if not the best lineup of baseball. The problem that I have with it, I'm going to age myself a little bit. First fantasy draft I ever had. Rich, Rich Wilkins coming off a 30-homer season for the Cubs. I think it was 1994. This guy's sure fire. It, it, this kind of – it smells like Rick Rose, Rich Wilkins. I can't remember if it's Rick or Rich Wilkins, the catcher for the Cubs. It smells like that where this guy's had really good 91 games in the majors. He could come out and hit 212. Or he could hit 280 and hit 35 homers. 
There's just a really wide margin. But at least with Smith, you know there's the potential for more, whereas with Real Muto, it's kind of flatline. So it depends on what you want to do. Again, the 4180p versus the 100 and whatever it is, 103, it is significant, 106. It's significant. But again, the, the ceiling for, for Smith, I feel like, is a lot lower. You know, Kieber Ruiz is um pretty highly touted prospect for the Dodgers. You never know um who is who's knocking on the door and could potentially take playing time away as well. So there's just a couple question marks with Smith. And, and again, this is I, I do this the way I do this because I think it's important to kind of document ADP as we go. So as of February 1st, I got a note. Wilson Contreras, number three, ADP of 125. Contreras didn't have a great year last year. But you have to kind of feel like at 28 years old, you have to think this is catcher prime. This is catcher prime age. And, you know, first career, he's a 265 hitter. Over five years, he's hit 74 homers. Not great. But what he has done, what he has done is he's consistently hit in the middle of that lineup. He's athletic. He's he's playing for his next job, right? We all know that makes a difference. Um, when you know you're up for promotion at work, you're going to go in earlier. You're going to stay later. You're going to do that extra report. Same type of thing here. I feel like Contreras knows he's on. He's auditioning, um, and, and that's a shame. As a Cubs fan, I, I love you know Wilson Contreras is kind of one of the main reasons why I'm a Cubs fan. Um, he's been fun to watch. Uh, wherever he goes, I'll cheer for them. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I, I, again, last year's numbers weren't great. Two forty three, seven homers. Sure leaves a lot to be desired. There were. <laughs> I talked about this a couple weeks ago. There was a time when, well, it could still happen. The Angels, you know, have uh, Joe Madden's there. Wanted to make it was talk. They were talking about trading for him. When you start doing a number by number comparison with him and Max Stassi, it doesn't make a good bit of sense why they'd be trading for him. But let's be honest. I think we all really know what Contreras is capable of. Um, uh, hopefully this year. He kind of reverts back to it. So his average per 162, 265, 24 homers, 75 runs, 83 RBIs, and four stolen bases per year. Compare that to Real Muto, who per 162, his average is 13 points higher. Contreras is actually hitting three more homers per game, scoring more runs, and RBIs. So you're talking about Side-by-side -side comparison over Ramuto with a seven-year career, Contreras with a five-year career. You're talking about ADP of 41 for Real Muto and ADP of 125 for Contreras. And if you break down over the course of their career, those two's numbers, generally it bodes well for Wilson Contreras. That's what I'm talking about. That's the perfect example of what I'm talking about and how you have to break down this catcher position. You can't just simply say, ah, screw it, it's a catcher position. You have to evaluate it. 
You have to evaluate it. And if you do that, these kind of things start to show themselves. 28 years old to me is another really key factor with Contreras. And I know you guys are going to say, oh, you're a Cubs fan. You're, you're a homer. That's not it. That's not it. I mean, that might be part of what's it. But, I, again, to me, just the facts, man, sh- just the data, right? The data speaks to, even with the crappy year he had last year, again, COVID does – I'm, I'm not judging anybody on facts from last year. That's why you see me kind of lumping the last two years together. You lump two years together for Wilson Contreras, 262. 31 homers, 94 runs, 90 RBIs, and two stolen bases. I'll take it. I'll take it right now. That's why I have him rated over Salvador Perez, over Travis Darnold. I like those guys. Don't get me wrong. But for me, if you strip all of it away and you look at Throughout the course of the career, Contreras to me is a value. At 125, you're talking about what a 10th round pick? That's a good deal for those numbers. If you're looking at the end of the year and you're comparing Real Muto and you're comparing Contreras, they're comparable. And you're talking about an eight round difference. That's significant. Real significant. When you take that third round pick and you invest it in a Tyler Glass now or someone of that caliber you're making your team better just by making that move just by having the proper analysis that's it that's it that's all we're talking about i'll move on salvador perez i love salvador perez he had a great year last year people forget you know coming off of an injury didn't play in 2019 people were wondering how effective he would be coming out of the gate 333 with 11 homers, 22 runs, and 32 RBIs last year out of Salvador Perez. Now, you would think that the year off certainly helped his knees. I don't know if that goes into this year. ADP is 91. 30-something picks before Contreras. Part of me understands why. But the analysis just didn't add up. That's why I did the flip-flop. 2020, like I said, had a great year. 2019, he was injured. His average per 162, and this is a fun stat to play with, right? 269, 25 homers, 67 runs, and 89 RBIs. That's damn good statistics. But where I kind of start to question that is the age. 30 years old. Look, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you there haven't been clear outliers. There have been. Yadi Molina comes to to mind, right? But these – and maybe the year off, I think he had a shoulder. I think he tore his shoulder. I don't remember. It might have helped his knees, I guess is my point. So so maybe that added a little longevity for Perez. His bat's solid. His bat's absolutely solid. I worry about that 30-year-old age. That's just me. 
Travis Darnold, number five in Atlanta. Another one of those guys. I, I like, you know, had a great year last year. Has had a great last two years, really. Um, 25 homers in the last two years. 71 runs and 103 RBIs. That's significant. That's more than Contreras. That's more than Smith. That's more than, well, obviously Perez. It's not, it's, it's not more than Real Muto. 103 RBIs, though, is a lot. And, you know, if you look back on his career, 253, 72 homers, 221 runs, 265 RBIs. He's in a hell of an offense in Atlanta. I really like his fit. He's kind of found a stick the last couple of years. You know, we, we all remember him with the Mets struggling for the forever. It seems like over the last, I don't know, year and a half, two years, he's really kind of started to understand, ha have a more educated approach to the plate. I don't know if that's better coaching. I don't know if that's maturation. Um, I don't really care. I, it, 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 it is the light switch has been turned on for me, for Travis Darnett. That's why I put him in this first half of this first year. 143 is his ADP, the lowest ADP of anybody on this first five catcher list. It's pretty damn good value, guys. Playing in a great on a great team, right? Going to have plenty of opportunity to influence. The only thing that scares me about that is, you know, um, the Braves have not just one but two really good catching prospects. I worry about what happens if, uh, you know, William Contreras starts out real hot or Shea Langoliers all of a sudden, you know, turns the corner with his bats. I worry about that impacting his playing time. So that's my first tier. I'm going to move quickly to the second and third tier. We're going to go 12 deep, and then I'm going to just mention a couple other catchers. I got 14 minutes, so I'm going to start to get – there's some important names in here that, that we want to mention. First guy I want to talk about, Christian Vasquez, 30 years old, ADP of 164. He's my sixth overall catcher. I love his ADP. I love the fact that he is a career – 259 hitter. Doesn't sound like a whole lot, but honestly, for a catcher, that's pretty damn good. He hit 283 in 2020 and 278 in 19 and 20, which shows me that he's been pretty consistent. 30 homers over the last year and a half, year and a third, really, right? 88 runs, 95 RBIs. Hell, eight stolen bases. He stole four, st four uh, bases last year. So for a catcher, that's pretty good. Again, the 164 ADP, he's going to be a bedrock around the middle of that Red Sox lineup. And, and, and quite honestly, guys, I got to tell you, I feel like Vas Vasquez in general is pretty underrated. Grandal, number seven, 32 years old. The, the appeal for me with uh, Yasmani Grandal is playing for the White Sox. You know, that offense is one that um, should score plenty of runs this year. I, I I worry about his age, quite honestly. He was great. Um, you know, what? <laughs> I, of course, I think about him with the Brewers, but um, 
course, he played with the Dodgers, and I can't remember if he's another team or not. But just he's been a really good, really good receiver, really good um, pitch framer, and you know has always brought a good offense to the game. So you know, again at one twenty seven, coming off of a two thirty season where he had eight homers, I have a hard time buying into that. I feel like that's a little high. I feel like I'll let a lazy man who doesn't want to research. Take Yasmani Grandal. That's why I have him at seventh. I value him. I, I feel like he's a good catcher. I feel like he'll rebound. I just feel like it's a risk. A risk I will take in the right scenario is Gary Sanchez. 28 years old. I've always, people that know me, I've always kind of been a Sanchez guy. Um, but but here's the here's the facts, guys. Yes, he got benched during the play. Yeah, he made a big deal out of it. He had a shitty year. He he had 147 last year, but he had to bring that average up from 117 to get to 147. That's not, not good. Here's what I do know. I, I get, before I get into my analysis, I do want to do this because it to 2020, uh, excuse me, 2019, 2020, he hit uh, 44 homers, 81 runs, 101 RBIs. His average, his average, here's the thing about, here's where Gary Sanchez starts to come into play, guys. His average per 162. And, and I like this because it starts to kind of weed out a lot of the white noise, right? His average per 162, 236 average, not great. 44 homers, 94 runs, 110 RBIs. That's – you're not going to find another catcher on the board that's going to do that. Not that, not those kind of numbers. So let's talk about – let's talk about Gary Sanchez real quick. Real quick. But I feel like if you're talking catching, you have to bring this up. It is – it is – it's vital. Because, again, at 171, you have to start putting some background behind it, right? So let's let's look at his career. The two times in his career where he's played a hundred games, a hundred games. There's there's 162 games in the season, generally speaking. The two times in his career where he's played a hundred games, he's hit 33 and 34 homers. Yes, he got off his trajectory last year. Yes, he was embarrassed by being benched in the playoffs. But it's funny in researching this a little bit. If you go and listen to the Yankee brass, they tell a completely different story. Aaron Boone says he didn't bench Sanchez. Because he didn't think about it. He didn't say, well, I can't play Sanchez. I can can never. I'm not going to be mean. I can never remember the other catcher's name. The Japanese catcher. I can never remember his name. He was just playing better. Okay? As a matter of fact, Boone said he was planning to start Sanchez in game one of the LCS that they made it. 
So that tells you his mindset on Sanchez hasn't changed. Quote from Aaron Boone. I'm really excited about where Sanchez is at right now. His offseason and his preparation heading into camp has been ex excellent. He's in Tampa now, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do for us this year. I feel like he's in a really good frame of mind, and he's ready to enter camp. Cashman. I'm not going to judge him on last year. We've had a lot of conversations with Gary, and I do know the talent he possesses, and I know that he cares. He played winter ball in the Dominican to get his swing back. And again, he's been down at the spring training complex for a while now. I paused for effect. But I think it's important to take note, Gary Sanchez is just 28 years old. His knees are relatively healthy. And his ADP is 171. Throw dart. He's worth it. I got to move quick because I got to eat. And I'm coming back at 10. Join me at 10. The other angle, Chappie and RC. Great show. We're going to talk a lot of Super Bowl stuff. We're going to talk some college basketball. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball. So, you know, um, a lot of good stuff coming up at 10. We start moving through, through these catches pretty quickly. I do like Sean Murphy, 26 years old. Uh, you know, you got to like him in that offense. He, he was um, a pretty highly regarded prospect for the A's for a while. Uh, you have to think he's at the point where he's comfortable behind the plate there and another good offense um, with relatively low pressure on him. I like Murphy this year at ADP of 180. Austin Nola, late bloomer, 31 years old, career 273 average. Excuse me, career. Yeah, career 273 average, 17 homers. Again, he's only played two, two years at the major league level. But his average per 162 is 271, 22, 78, 75 RBIs. In San Diego, you got to love him there. And, you know, um, there's a lot of potential for him to continue that. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Wrapping it up, just a few guys. Again, we're, we're trying to evaluate these guys. We're trying to build our draft. We'll come back to this. I won't spend a whole other show on catching, but I do think it's important. Um, Dalton Varsho, 24 years old. He's got a little bit of speed. Another one of those guys that's a pretty high prospect, uh, 197. Pedro Severino, another kind of late bloomer. Um, now with uh, Washington, he started out with Baltimore. You know, it has put up some pretty good years. It showed some decent power. His ADP is 282. And then there's some afterthoughts. Wilson Ramos, again, I mentioned earlier, um, you know, certainly showed flashes of potential. James McCann, Mitch Garver, Yadier Molina is still hanging around there. Carson Kelly, some rookies to watch out for. Otley Rushman, Sam Huff, William Contreras. Keeper Ruiz. Guys, thanks for hanging out with me. 
I hope you enjoyed the content. Come back at ten. We're gonna talk. I'm gonna. We're gonna go every bit of an hour and a half this week or the, tonight because there's just so much to talk about. Um, appreciate you all coming by. Chaps Fantasy Chat Thursday nights at ten. Draft for upsides. The site. Um, it's draft season, baby. Gotta love it. Let's get these drafts rolling. Uh, got a couple drafts going on. One starting tomorrow with my boy Lou Landers and crew. It's a dynasty draft, so it's a little bit less exciting. But, you know, it's a full time of year, guys. So enjoy your hoops. Enjoy the football game Sunday. Come back and join us at 10. Get yourself ready, man. Draft season's on us. Chaps Fantasy Chat. Peace.